0: Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of you women at Hope Chapel. If you read history, says C.S. Lewis, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Over these past three weeks, we have been talking about the hope of heaven, or as Jim more appropriately named it last week, the series Hope of Heaven and Earth. In times like these, where death is all around us, the truth is That life does exist after death is such a comfort to all of us. And as John reminds us in Revelation, there indeed is a heaven filled with angelic creatures. Who spend their days and their nights praising God on his throne and praising Jesus on his throne. And then when we take our last breath on this earth, scripture teaches us. That those who profess faith in Christ, we will be with Jesus immediately. We will enjoy his presence, his laughter, and his warm embrace. And we also learned over these past three weeks that heaven in and of itself is not our final resting place. Revelation says that Jesus is going to come again. And when he does, he is going to not destroy heaven and earth, but instead he is going to restore it. Daniel talked about this great restoration when all that was and is broken in our world is healed. Evil is destroyed once and for all and justices are undone and Satan will be cast out once and for all. There'll be no more sin, no more sickness, no more death. And last week, Jim painted a glorious picture Of what life will be like after life, after death. We will live in a world where our relationships are free from hurt and pain. There will be no more divorce, no more abuse, no more wounding of one another. Our relationships will be full of peace and harmony and joy. And the good news is that it's not even going to stop there, but also our work is going to be free of toil. We'll be able to do the occupation that we've always dreamed of doing. And we'll do it with ease, free from thorns and thistles that Moses writes of in Genesis. This is the life after life after death that awaits the children of God. And so this begs one final question to end our series this morning. And that is, how are we to live as we wait for Jesus' return? And the consummation of his kingdom. How are we to live as we await for Jesus' return? Now to answer this question, there are two things that I'd like for us to consider this morning. And the first is that we need to ready ourselves. And then secondly, we need to live imaginatively. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning. For your goodness and your grace, your mercy to us. Your mercies that are new every morning. And Lord, as we sit in our homes, either with our families or with our kids or by ourselves, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. That you would speak to us. That you'd help us to understand what it, what it means for us to live as we await your return. And so Holy Spirit come. Speak to your church this morning. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And so as we answer this question. How are we to live as we wait for Jesus? The first thing that came to mind as I was thinking about that. Is that we need to ready ourselves. Now throughout the centuries. Many have speculated about when Christ is going to return. I can remember living in Florida in 1999, and actually many prominent ministers in the Florida area, they were convinced that January 1st, 2000, Jesus was going to come back. And so they actually had bunkers, and they filled it with food, and they took their money out of uh, savings. I don't know what they were going to do with their money. Uh, If Jesus did come back, but they did, they took it out. And then January 1st, 12 midnight hit 2000 and Jesus hadn't returned. As we look at our passage this morning in Luke 12, 35 through 40, Jesus teaches us in this parable that the time and the hour of his return is unknown. He says, in fact, that the master's return, it will come like a thief. In the night. Therefore, don't focus all your attention on the exact date of his return, but instead spend your time and your energy being ready for his return. If you look at the parable, Jesus tells us to be dressed for action and to keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may be opened so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks in the ancient Near East, the men they wore long robes that, as you might imagine, uh, were kind of inhibited any sudden movement and certainly inhibited running. and Jesus is telling them, as they watch for the master's return, that they are to, to lift up their robes and tuck their robes into their belt sash. So that in an instant when he returns, they can go out and greet him. For us today, I like to think of being watchful and ready. Is to do something that Brett Greaves has been saying to me for years. Uh, A a very short expression. And that expression is that we need to fly light. Meaning we need to not be weighed down by the things of this world be that material or immaterial things. The author of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Israelites certainly understood this concept of flying light, Since they had spent 40 years in the desert as nomads with no homes, no yard to mow, nothing to encumber them as they traveled throughout the desert, waiting to enter the promised land. Likewise, we are to be ready. We are to fly light. We are to hold things of this world loosely and not to become weighted down by the worries of this world so that when the master does come. When Jesus does come, we are ready to join him at his table. You know, as I I talk with many of you during this pandemic, there's certainly many difficult things. But one thing that I hear from you consistently about a good thing that's come out of this pandemic is how life has become simplified. You You don't have extracurricular activities to do with the kids. There's not sporting events to go to. There's not even an office for many of us to go to. And a joke in the office, you know, when we ask, hey, can you have a meeting next Wednesday night? We all kind of look at ourselves and look at our schedule and say, it's free. Of course we can. I don't think ever in my entire life I've had so much free time and free space. Things have become very, very simple. Life has suddenly got gotten Very light for all of us. And I dare say that the church around the world is more ready for Jesus' return right now than any time in the last hundred years and maybe even longer. And as we do this, as we simplify our lives and we let go of the things of this world, and we have a watchful eye knowing that Jesus is going to return. Jesus tells us twice in this passage that we will be blessed. Happy is the person who watches for Jesus' return. Happy is the person who flies light. Happy is the person who is not encumbered by the things of this world, but holds them loosely, knowing that their inheritance is to come when Christ returns. The simple, the simple watchful, ready life Is a happy life, not a miserable one. It is a life that brings us great joy in a world so full of pain and suffering. And so the question before us this morning is: what are we gonna what are we to do as we await Jesus' return? And the answer is: we are to ready ourselves. We are to fly light. And then secondly, What are we to do as we await Jesus' return? I believe that we need to live imaginatively. Now, those of you who know me well know that I'm a very concrete person. I was thinking about this. When I was a kid, I I literally probably had no imagination. Um, I did not like fantasy books. I did not, you know gather all the army men and have these fantasy kind of uh, wars. Instead, I I like to ride my bike. I like to to play ball. I like to do things that were very concrete. I like to swim, play wiffle ball with my brothers. And therefore, I, I would say I probably didn't develop my imagination very well. And most of you know, I am not a very creative person at all. But as I have studied the Gospels and listened to Jesus and his interaction with people, I'm struck by how creative and imaginative Jesus is with his words. He was always painting pictures for his listeners. He was constantly stoking people's imaginations about God and about his kingdom. And just as he did that then, I have come to believe That while we wait for his return, he wants us to dream. He wants us to imagine now what life will be like when he comes again to consummate his kingdom. For as John Eldridge writes in his book, All Things New, if your heart's imagination were filled with rich expectations of all the goodness coming to you, your confidence would be contagious. You would be unstoppable, revolutionary. And I'll add to that, you would be full of hope. Just as Jesus endured the cross because he could see, because he could imagine the joy set before him. And who is that joy? That joy is all who profess faith in him. He imagined that. And that enabled him to endure the cross. If we give ourselves permission to imagine life after life after death, then we too will be able to persevere in this life. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the loss. And so this morning, I want to I help to stir our imaginations concerning what's to come. And so if you're at home, I want you to grab a piece of paper And a pen, and I want you to write down three things you're going to do when you enter the kingdom. What are you looking forward to doing most when Christ returns? As I thought about that this week, for me, one of the things that that I want to do, the first thing when Christ returns is I want to run up to him and i want to throw myself into his arms and put my head on his chest and i want to feel his arms around me and his breath up against my neck i want to see jesus that's the first thing that i want to do when he returns and i and i can picture that i can imagine that and that excites me and then secondly what do i want to do i want to gather all of my friends Friends who've already passed and are with Jesus now, family members, and I want to gather all of them, and then we're going to throw a party. And we're going to sit, and we're going to talk, we're going to tell stories, we're going to reminisce, we're going to laugh, we're going to dance, we're going to eat, we're going to feast together. That's something that I am so looking forward to when He returns. So, how about you? What are three things that you want to do when you enter the kingdom? I encourage you to write those down. Put them up on the refrigerator. Remind yourself of them throughout the day. But I don't want you to stop there when it comes to imagining his return. I also want you to do this. I want you to write down the first three places you want to visit when you enter the kingdom. It could be a country that you always dreamed of visiting but haven't yet. It could be that special place that you went as a kid to get away from everything. It could be a vista overlooking a valley below. One place that I want to go as soon as Jesus returns is I want to go and stand On the top of Mount Everest. I know it sounds crazy. But I want to stand there. And I'm not going to need oxygen. And I'm not going to have any fear of falling or death. But I'm going to stand on that peak. And I'm going to be so close to the heavens above. That I could feel like I could reach up and touch them. And then I'm going to be able to look out below. And see the beauty of God's creation. That's one place that I'm longing to go and I look forward to going. Another place, as I've thought this week, that, that I'm looking forward to going is I want to go to New Zealand. I doubt in this lifetime I'll ever get to go, but the Lord of the Rings inspired me, Rivendell inspired me, and I would love to go and I'd love to see the flowing waterfalls and the beach that leads up to the mountains, the beauty of God's creation. Those are two places that I want to go. What are two or three places that you, when Jesus returns, that you want to go? As we wait for Jesus' return, he invites us to live imaginatively, here and now, about the not yet He wants us to keep our future reality of life after life after death ever before us so that we can be a people of hope and we can persevere no matter how profound the losses. And as C.S. Lewis stated at the beginning of the sermon, the more we can keep our future reality in our present circumstances, the more fully engaged we will be in building God's kingdom now. And so I want to encourage us to write down our imaginative list, put them on your refrigerator, put them in your car, put them at your office. And every day, just imagine the things that you're going to do, the places that you're going to go when Christ returns. I can remember one of my first meals that I had with Trip Kimbrough was at the Loop. We had brought Tripp and Anna to Greensboro. He was interviewing to be the small group's director at Christ Community. And we had taken him to The Loop, which is a restaurant off of Pisgah. And we gathered and the staff were there and we were just interviewing him. So for the first hour, we just peppered him with questions. And he answered them, did a great job. And at the very end, I turned to Tripp and I, and I asked Tripp, I said, you know, do you have any questions for us? And I'll never forget, he said, yeah, I have one question for you guys. And I said, what is it? And he said, tell me your hopes and your dreams. And each person went around and imagined and shared their hopes and their dreams. And as I've reflected on that and I've reflected on Trip's joy in the midst of of battling cancer and his joy in the midst of his hospice, loving people as they transition from this world to the next. How was he able to do that? I think he was able to do that because he had an incredible imagination, an incredible faith, and he had already thought of the things that he was going to do with Jesus. And he had already thought about the places that he was going to go when Christ returns. And it was that imagination... That enabled him to be filled with hope and enjoy regardless of the circumstances. So, what are we going to do during this in between time, the time between the now and not yet? My hope is that we are going to ready ourselves for Christ's return, that we'll fly light. And that we will live imaginatively about the life that we're going to have when we enter the kingdom. And as we do these things, we will be blessed. We will be happy. We'll be full of joy. And we will be people of hope. Our hope will help us endure no matter what the loss. And as Jim so eloquently said last week. And I echo the same sentiment. I cannot think of a time in my entire life and in our world right now where we need hope. We as a church and as a world. The truth that Jesus Christ came, he lived and he died. He rose from the dead and that all who profess faith in him, when he returns, we are going to live with him forever. Heaven and earth will come down. All things will be made new. That is our living hope. He is our living hope. May we have that hope today. Amen.